0: you Something
1: we met at a show that I used to produce called Comedy Ahoy in Marina Del Rey, and um, he's just one of the the funniest guys I know. He's uh, an incredible writer, incredible actor. He has a film called "I Had a Bloody Good Time at House Harker." House Harker that you can watch on uh, House Harker that you can watch on Amazon Prime. It's amazing, really funny, super like. uh, I call it like spoof vampire spoofy evil daddy kind of movie it's great super fun great for you know Halloween or any time of the year Adds something to the lore about vampires which is really cool um, so it's uh his, one of his projects he also did a um a couple of uh shorts called uh, let's see I'm blanking on them right now so I'm gonna look it up I'm gonna look it up for ya. What do you think of that uh, I should know. One of them's called, from a group called Good Cops on YouTube. You can watch that. And that is hysterical funny. Very good stuff. Um, Jacob, isn't this fun? let Google. Um, he's going to be like, why didn't you just record another version of it where you knew the answer? Uh, intermission is a really cool movie that he wrote and started and and created that he shot all on an iphone and it's just incredible uh definitely check that out and uh yeah everything he does is pretty awesome quite frankly um tumbleweed that's the other one i was trying to think of a mini series on youtube that's uh super fun um really creative he's just he's just a great dude you'll see Give it up for my friend and uh, amazing comedian, Jacob Givens.
2: That was actually one of the, uh, as much as I miss uh, stand-up and and just telling jokes to a crowd, but the social aspect is a huge part of it that um, you really feel a huge loss of this opportunity to go out night after night and hang out with a group of people that are all very funny, all mm-hmm. very clever. Um, and that social aspect is a really, really big part of stand up comedy. And, you know, the people that would come in, do their set and then leave. I always wanted to be like, I mean, of course, if you're booked elsewhere yeah, you yeah, got a shows, but I always wanted to be, I wanted to tell those people to be like, You're missing out. Like yeah. you're missing yeah. out. One of the most fun things is to ride out the show and then hang out and just visit, and, you know, and yeah. get to know these great people.
1: Yeah. I mean, so. I think that that's one of the reasons that I think, you know, you and I connected so well is just, we were both there to do that as well. Yeah. You know, obviously you want to work on the craft and be, and make, get your, you know, get something out of the show in terms of working on your material. Yeah. But that's just such a small part. Like at best it's, 15 minutes most yeah. times, right? But yeah. you're there for three or four hours, you know, at least, the, I mean, that's the way total. I did it. I, you know, if I was producing the show, I would get to Marina Del Rey, you know, cause I lived so far away. Mm-hmm. It would be the whole night like that Friday night. I usually just didn't go home from work. I would just leave. Oh yeah. And get on the road. Oh yeah. And I mean, it was it was like so relaxing to just cleanse of the day. Cause I mean, that was a good hour and a half yeah. at that time of day for me. Right. But it was great. Cause I got to listen to podcasts or really just like, think about stuff, think about the show. Yeah. And if, and sometimes I'd get to Marina Del Rey at like six, <laughs> yeah. like if traffic yeah. was light enough, you know, Yeah, and it'd still be light out and I'd be the only one there setting shit up.
2: It was just a long yeah. thing. Most of the time I was ever at uh, Comedy Harbor, I would get there early, and I would either be—I mean, there were a few times I would get there, you know, just right before. But I remember going and going across the street and getting some food, yeah, um, just to kill time. Yeah, and then you end up getting into the the place and you sit down and you have a beer or whatever. But yeah, I. Uh, for me, I'm an incredibly social person. I'm very, I've always loved being social and not every comedian is, you know, there's a lot of people that you meet along the way that are more in their heads about material and jokes. But for me, I love the social aspect. And so comedy was a good excuse to get social time um, with people that were often very like-minded. And so I, I, I embraced that a lot. It's you know? the
1: ultimate like saying of like, find your people. Right. So yeah, yeah. you find your people and you light up with them <laughs> yeah. and, and yeah. just, you know, riffing bits, just shooting the shit, talking about what happened that day, talking about each other's material during mm-hmm. and after and before. And like, dude, you have at least four jokes that I love so <laughs> much that every time I see you, I would, I want to see them. And every time oh, they're I love that. incredible. And it's just like, that's what I, God damn it. I miss that a lot.
2: So, <laughs> I so I was like, well, fuck
1: it. I have, I'm going to just start this stupid podcast and who cares if anybody listens, it's like, you can literally get people to talk to you
2: Yeah. at, yeah. you
1: know, 1030 at night. So that's the hook is it's 10, that's it's late
2: because I got to <laughs> put my
1: kids to bed. So there's that.
2: Well, it works for me too, being a fellow dad. So yeah. like whenever I told I told my wife I was going to do the podcast, I was like, "It's a ten thirty. The kids will be asleep, so it'll be easy, right?" So, so I, I
1: it's, yeah. it's cheating the system a little bit because I'm like, yeah. "Here's the hook: it's late at night because that's super convenient for me."
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but uh, you know, I I don't know, man. I just uh, you know, consistency in doing it has been something that's eluded me. Cause I just was like, especially before the pandemic, I don't know about you, but like I I didn't want to hear myself talk because I didn't know if I had anything to really say, Yeah. but I've realized through this, that it's not, at least for me, it's not about that at all. Yeah. You know, like I'll do my best and have good conversations and hopefully put good things into the universe through conversation. But like, I don't know. It just seems like an interesting vehicle to to really think about. You're like a year in now with BioFriendly at least, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. A year and a half. I mean, yeah. I started in March in 2019. And so that was really, I mean, I had started taking a step back from comedy and I, I know the exact moment that it happened. I know when it happened. And it's a little bit selfish. Uh, I I ha- I was lucky enough to go in 2017, it was my 20 year high school reunion. And, you know, I'm not a a no name comedian at all, but in my hometown, I, the thought crossed my mind. I was like, I can go back to my hometown and I could do an hour for people that I grew up with and people that haven't seen me in 20 years. And it just seemed like a really good idea. And I wasn't at a club. I tried to reach out to some places, but, you know, obviously not being big enough, I wasn't able to get that, but I, I, Met a guy and he was like, "Oh, well, I know this guy who owns this coffee shop, and in the back there's this big room." So I worked with this guy and we worked out a deal on how I could charge a little bit of an admission at the door, and we could make it all work out. Yeah. So I did two nights of an hour um, in my hometown, and the first night was like pretty good crowd. It was a smaller crowd, but then the second night it was full and people I grew up with, people I didn't know, you know, all these people who hadn't seen me. But I got a chance to do an unbridled hour an Hmm. hour, just like relax. Nobody run in the line. I I was doing the show. The show was mine. And that was such an unbelievable high and a rush and an experience. And I came back to LA after that experience, you know, got back into comedy, did some shows, but I went back to like a open mic that I, that I hadn't gone to in a long time. And I walked in to go do my five minutes, and the host—I had never met the host before—and it was the normal, uh, you know, valley comedy. You pay your five bucks, and and you wait. I mean, you know, you yeah, know yeah. what I'm probably alluding to, and uh, and so I'm sitting there, and it was like I didn't know anybody, and the host didn't know who I was, and I've never liked going up and going to people and saying. Um, hey, can you put me up early? You know, I've been here a lot. I didn't want to flex that muscle.
1: right?
2: And so I just kind of sat there for three hours and I felt this huge sense of dread and misery hmm. about returning back to that after having that moment. And I, that sounds so selfish because everybody knows that the LA grind, you just got to keep going. You got to keep going. Yeah. But it, it really made me start going I don't know. I don't know if I have it in me to just night after night, after night, go to Mike's after it's, Mike,
1: after Mike. Dude, it's controversial. You know? I would, I would argue, you know, like not everybody agrees and, and everybody's path is their own and I'm by no means successful, <laughs> but yeah. to me, it, it almost, once you figure out what you're trying to do and how to do it, Yeah. not that you ever become a perfectionist at it. And of course, given the right circumstances, going up every night would be fun. Uh, yeah. Hanging out every night would be fun. I, I get that that's a way to go. But yeah. from from the point of the art of comedy, at least the way I've seen you approach it, um, you don't need to grind because you can work on your material in your own head. You're an incredible writer. So you you know, well, thank you. you know your bit and you're like, oh, if yeah. I just tweak this or that, the next time I go up, I'll try that out and it could be a month later and you yeah. still nail it and you're like, okay, yeah, that tweak I tried worked, which is like, I don't have time to grind. I get the benefit of it. It's like anything else, you know, you and I are both musicians. Yeah. If yeah. you practice more, you'll be better. You know how it feels when you'd go three nights in a row or have two shows in a night,
2: yeah.
1: you know, doing comedy, you're better. There's no question. No question. There's no question.
2: Yeah. You get get sharper, you get better. It's
1: not that it's wrong, but it's like, okay, your your life is um, a a creative one. And Mm -hmm. this particular art on this particular path of success that people deem, a lot of people do just grind it out and grind it out. But you know what? By the time they're successful, if they've been doing that for 10 or 12 years, they're still in their 30s. God bless them. All yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? didn't like, discover
2: comedy. I didn't discover yeah. stand up until I was 30, um, 32, 33 years old. I mean, it's yeah. about the age that I was when I decided to do stand up and I mean, yeah. you know, by that point in time, I just don't have the luxury of being a every night to out till two in the morning. But you're smart enough something. to
1: do the craft. You're smart enough yeah. to recognize how the craft works, the value of having a live audience. It's, it's, it's irreplaceable, but it's still like, I took every show seriously enough that I was like, I got to get something out of this show, which meant most of the time I ate shit because I was trying new things. But you know, after three or four years, I got like one or two really good bits that were a decent length. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so the math is, it bears out like, my yeah. productivity would have been much faster if I had gone every night. Yeah. But twice a month a, doesn't craft. <laughs> I know. Thing, and I mean you know? for the
2: first for the first three or four years, I I definitely had to play. Um and I what I mean is I had more fun um just in the act of pursuing stand-up than really sitting down and being like hmm um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure I'm the best. I just loved being in the world and the community. And I loved being at clubs and I loved being around other comics. And I loved the rush and the adrenaline of coming off stage. And I was really just, I felt kind of like I was living. I was like (laughs) my teenage self or my young self was like getting a second wave, like a second burst at life. And so a couple of years to know how to be responsible with that right. because I I felt like I got a little bit in over my head with like oh I do like having beers and staying out <laughs> super late and just being completely irresponsible yeah. and I had to figure out how to tame that I had to figure yeah. out how to like Who okay how like do that? I yeah exactly <laughs> I mean it's really fun being a father being a husband and having this excuse to go out and have fun hang out with friends, tell jokes, you know, throw back a few. That was always great. Yeah, um, But it took me a while to figure out like, oh, well, but I do want to be really good. Yeah. I do want to be yeah. a great comedian. You, you want know? the
1: respect so, of other comedians and you want to
2: so make much them so. laugh.
1: Like that was, like, that shit, was always the it out. High. I figured that it was out.
2: always yes. that was always the best feeling when you had yeah. the the comic on the lineup or whoever you were with that it was somebody that you thought was absolutely hilarious and they told you that they loved a bit or loved a joke of yours. You're always like,
1: oh, it's dude, so it feels good, so
2: good, <laughs> it it's so, so good. good.
1: Yeah, or you or you think of something like, dude, I still, you're you're, I have to toot my own you horn. Yeah, you,
2: know, you can talk about any that of those jokes
1: with the palm reader.
2: Oh, I'm it's so excited. I wanted to, want to do thing. It's my favorite thing more. I know. I love that <laughs> tag that you gave me. And I, it's funny because I only got to perform it like once or twice. Oh. And then pandemic city. I mean, oh my God. You literally Gave me that note. Like I want to say three, four months before <laughs> we were shut down. <laughs> so I love that joke. And
1: the, and the kill Bosch bit, like you, just it, yeah. it's, it's
2: still working. The world will,
1: <laughs> the world will hear it one day and it is just, uh, belly so. laughs every time, which is really, yeah. really just, I think the ultimate, like, um, you can't really compliment somebody better than to laugh at something they say because you yeah. don't have any control over it. Right. You know, almost right. like getting angry. Yeah. You know, it's just like, if it makes you laugh, it makes you laugh. I don't know why. It's yeah. just weird. Right. It's just weird yeah. shit. And sometimes it's completely ridiculous and, it's so uh, true. it's just great. It's just great. Um, so <sighs> I had so many things I wanted to talk to you about and I wanted to like, <laughs>
2: sorry, I keep, I keep hogging the conversation. No, that's the point.
1: That's yeah. the point. No, I love it. Um, no, I wanted to, uh, make sure that we talked about your new good cops. Tell me what's going on. Cause I didn't know there was oh. unreleased things.
2: Oh, it's I mean, it, and it's funny because it looks like it's unreleased, but the long story <laughs> short, it's not. Everybody has seen this stuff. This is the old <laughs> stuff that you've already seen um, for for people who are listening to this. I don't know if anybody will, but we a group of friends and I, we made a web series, good uh, cops that was our own. We made it on our own in the in the early days. And then we got picked up by Miss Cinema, which was a, you know, a YouTube network at the time. And uh, over the years, uh, Machinima got absorbed. Um, They got bought by Warner Brothers. And so at one point in time, Warner Brothers just deleted everything that Machinima had online. And so after some time, we were like, well, Good Cop Season 2, the second season we released ages ago, it was all taken off YouTube. And um, and we started re-releasing Season 2 last year. We are like, okay, let's re-release, it, let's re-release it. And we got to episode four or, you know, we got through episode four and it was around that time that we discovered that there was like the master file of the video and the audio file were not synced up. And that's because last minute changes were made by the director and everybody was just too busy <laughs> to fix it. Everybody was just too busy. It was like life had gotten in the way we had br- all been so far past this series And then it was like, thanks to our amazing sound designer, composer of the whole universe. He just said, fine, give them to me. I'll figure it out. (laughs) I'll fix it. His name's Tim, Tim Sloan, and he's very talented. And he, so he just, we gave him all the stuff and during this time that we've been locked down and and whatnot, he just said, okay, I'll figure, I'll fix it. So we finally got all fixed and we're now we have not only the rest of season two, but we had all these little bonus yeah, things yeah. like meet, meet the characters. And then we have some behind the scenes and then it's all leading up. Cause we, what's going to be at the end of all this is we are going to be releasing season one commentary season two commentary and then there's going to be a house harker commentary so we're like ramping up to having all of that and that's going to be a lot of fun to release so that's all it is really it's just old material that's that's (laughs) coming back so not a new season of good cops as much people ask us to do more good cops i think we i don't know if we'll ever be able to never never say (laughs) never but
1: so funny. It's so funny. Yeah. I, I did like a little intro for you for this thing. I'm testing the waters of doing that. Right. So, uh, yeah. just mumbling through my, my take of, of, of you. It's so funny, but yeah. I, I couldn't remember the name of your uh, iPhone movie. So I had to like Google it and look it up.
2: Yeah. Intermission
1: mission. But, uh, Intermission. I was like, I don't know. It's so funny doing this. Like I've listened to Jesus a, a billion <laughs> hours of podcast yeah and it's just still so odd to do it to fumble to actually make one yeah you know like yeah to to lose the idea of it a little bit into uh, i don't know to put it out into the world uh you know you just and and i've talked to sam goldstein a lot about this and i was just like you know he had the same thing and he described it as like fear I don't necessarily have fear. I have a who gives a shit, but I feel compelled in a way because I I feel like it's such a means to an end in terms of learning how to speak and not just perform, but like just think like if you only are in your own head, you never get a check on it. You never know if you're actually right. You could convince yourself the craziest shit which is why we're in the situation we're in right
2: yeah because yeah. there's
1: not enough good conversation so it's just like well
2: you have to bounce ideas off people yeah you have to it's such a huge part of uh, of the creative process and that really creativity and isolation it's rare that it isn't just some solipsistic uh, wet dream you know that you're you, you gotta you gotta share things with people because you you have to develop an idea and you have to see if it works. And I mean, uh, bouncing scripts off people and stories off people only made things better. Right, um, right. Uh, and, and and it's amazing. My perspective of what I thought was good when I was in my twenties, as opposed to my thirties, <laughs> that now I'm in my forties. I now know that I, it requires somebody to look at it and go, maybe this is uh, yeah. you just being a little full of yourself right here. Right. You know? right. So, um, and with podcasts, I think that podcasts almost have to find out what they are after you do them right over and over and over again. I think that's the funniest thing I learned about our show is that you can start somewhere, but eventually the podcast will become a thing. Yeah, that it's supposed to become. It just starts to like become its own baby. Right, and so yeah. by you just doing this, just with do us, it, just do it. By a couple episodes in, you'll be like oh, that's what the show is. And yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. How you, that's how you find it.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I love it. But uh, yeah. I, i um <laughs> it's so funny. Like I am sitting at my drum set. So, yeah. you know. Um, I know
2: this posture of yours because we've yeah. zoomed before. And yeah. Been with your poster and your guitar there.
1: And I was like, I should have like a pen and paper at least, right? Like I want to remember shit, but like, where am I going to put it? Like literally the mic stand is on my floor, Tom. It takes up the whole thing. Right, um, right. I don't know, man. It'll be fine. Who gives a shit? It'll
2: be fine. It doesn't, I mean, at the end of the day, podcasts, uh, it's like the people who find you wanted what you're offering. Yeah, exactly. They wanted it. Yeah. And the people who don't have any interest, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Right. There's just millions and millions of people that are tuning into tuning in or tuning out to whatever's out there. So.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. Right. So tell me what's up your new house. We talked yeah, about that a little bit last time. How's it going now? You're totally settled in. I saw your fireplace I'm, Friday night photo. I was like, God yeah. damn, that
2: looks nice. I have discovered a new side of myself, which has been pretty exciting because, um, you know, I, I grew up, I grew up in Oklahoma in a in a family that none of us were really like tools or working or whatever. My mom was a teacher. My dad was a banker. Um, I, I didn't grow up in a house where we were like drywalling or, you know, doing anything like that. But Not a funny handy thing is, bunch, the Gibbons. Not a handy bunch <laughs> and the, at all. And the funny thing is, is that I was the anomaly in my family's house. Like my, one of my favorite stories of all time is I come home from college and we had one of those glass um, screen doors, you know, like the, yeah. the glass door that's yeah. in front of the main door. And it has that pump thing. Up on top, which is when right, you close right. the glass door, it's, the pump closes it slowly. Yeah. So I come over from college, and it's it's propped open, and I go, "What's going on with the door?" And my dad goes, "Oh well, we're going to have to replace the door. It won't close." <laughs> and I go, "I go, no, I don't think you need to. I think it's just that pump." And he just looks at me, he's like, "No, son, we're, we have a guy coming out. He's going to replace the door." Oh. And I said. And I said, will you give me half an hour? And I jump in my car, I go over to like Ace Hardware and I just get a new pump that, that you know, and I yeah, come yeah. home and I screw it in and, and, and the door closes and they look at me <laughs> with this wonder and they're like, who are you? And that was, and the funny thing was, it was such a simple common sense thing. But in my family, that was like unbelievable. Now on the other side, my wife comes from this, builder's family. She did grow up drywalling (laughs) and building and like in their home, they converted a barn into a, into a house. And so she grew up with tools. So she totally has that influence. But (laughs) when we moved into this house, we've always had apartments and never a space to do anything. And we're definitely not rolling in dough over here. So we get to this house and we see this amazing patio area that's open. It's blank. Yeah. And we're like sitting there, we're going, Oh man, we need to get patio furniture. And we need to get a, you know, a, a little you know screen or cover for us yeah, here. Yeah. We're looking and all of it, you know, you start looking at some oh, it's stuff, crazy you know, money. You're like, I can't, we just yeah. moved. I can't yeah, yeah. do that. So then the thought comes in our head and we start going, well, let's build it's built. Yeah. And so we start looking up things on Pinterest and online, looking at schematics and we buy the wood and we cut the, we borrow a oh, saw. It's so amazing. And we put it together and the sense of the accomplishment that you have. And I mean, we learned lessons along the way. Like I learned during the process, you have to cite wood. You can't just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Choose, you can't just get a two by four without looking if it goes this way to the right a little bit. Yeah. But we, we built this sofa, this patio sofa, and a sense of accomplishment I had once I was done with it, I was like, ar, 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 I've made this chair with my hands. <laughs> and it really awakened uh, a side of me that just is so Midwestern dad. And I feel like I'm just going to be grilling, and building. Uh. And I, I just say it's, it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, especially Halloween, we went crazy with the decorations and Christmas we're going crazy with the decorations. So yeah. it's just I'm I'm living I'm living a life that I thought I was never gonna in LA ever gonna get to have. That's beautiful. It's been, it's been it's been great.
1: That's been so amazing. Great. That's so yeah. funny.
2: <laughs>
1: so that was when was the when was the screen door incident?
2: I was in college. Okay, so I was in college. And and there were things like that that would happen with my parents all the time. You know that little rubber stopper in the toilet? that when you open up the back bowl, yeah, that yeah, little yeah. rubber stopper, yeah, yeah. that one time broke off and my parents were like, we don't know what's <laughs> wrong with the toilet. And I was like, it's the rubber stopper. <laughs> I was like, all you have to do is look one step further. It's like
1: idiocracy.
2: It was, it was <laughs> You're seriously the president. The, yeah. And the, and the parents, <laughs> my parents are brilliant people. My mom is a yeah, college. she has her doctorate. Yeah. And my, bro- my brother, I love him. <laughs> I am, I love him dearly, but he's cursed with the same, problem he is very intellectually smart but there are just things that he does And I'm like what what are you what are you talking about that makes that doesn't make any sense so I am a little bit different than the rest of the Gibbons family that's, that's
1: sure. so funny man I had yeah. the same thing I, I was out here a couple years maybe like five years or something like that yeah. and uh I went back to Philadelphia for a, a funeral and yeah. uh I feel like it, it must have been in the summer um, and I was traveling a lot for work. So I had all these points and all these miles and all this crap. And like, when I got to yeah. the, to the rental car counter, I like, she was the, the, the person was like, you want me to upgrade you? And I was like, yeah, I'm only here for two days. Like, that's fine. Sure. Sure. And she gave me a Chrysler Crossfire, you know, those like little I, I did. roadsters. I did. Yeah. And I was like, all right. Sure. <laughs> so <laughs> I drove to the funeral. And I got out, and everybody's like, Whoa, California. And I was like,
2: It's a rental. (laughs) I'm like, They 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 didn't put together that. I
1: didn't drive from there in my crossfire.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It was so awesome. But you know what? You just roll with it at that point. You go, Yeah, you know, things are. My standards, you know, pretty high now. I got
1: a Chrysler crossfire.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh my God. It is funny. Oh. The perception of, uh, LA to other cities. That's always been, um,
1: and it's really so, bum- <laughs> it's not all that different at all.
2: No, like, no, you know, no. like in a lot of ways
1: it's way worse, like yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: like
1: way worse.
2: Ugh. It's just, it's just a crazy place to live. And, uh, yeah, I was, I, I, I was going to say, um, back in the, my hometowns and whatnot, like even getting extra work in movies, which we know once you live out here and you do like central casting and you have like a, you're literally like, you can hardly see the person in the back <laughs> of, the, of the thing. Yeah. I did that. I did that in my twenties and like back in my, my, I had like cousins back at home that were just like, I can't believe Jacobson movies. And you just realize it's just such a mi- di- misconnection about what that means to be an extra uh, background on a TV show yeah, how insignificant that is. Yeah. It's
1: literally useless. Yeah.
2: It's useless. It doesn't doesn't matter at all. But to them, they were very, (laughs) very proud of me. And I was, you know, I did not, I did not shut it down. I was like, by all means, rejoice. Please please accept (laughs) that I've made it.
1: (laughs) I am amazing. I am amazing. Please don't ever stop about (laughs) it yeah it's pretty nuts man i like it though i mean i like i like um i i I should say i wouldn't do it if i i would have been i i guess i really would have been bored you know yeah you know what i mean like i don't know if we still need to stay here yeah i know after all this you know like the only thing now keeping me here is weather you know but i I can't see like it seems like we're going to be here in this Situation for another six months, maybe a little longer. I, I am very hopeful for the vaccines, though. Uh, the yeah, data, I am- the data looks good, um, and they're big studies, which I, I feel really good about. Like thirty-eight thousand yeah. in the Pfizer study. I don't know what the Moderna study was, but so I think you know, in a year, things will be back to whatever it's going to be. Yeah, which is not going to be what it was. Right. But I wonder just how much of uh, the the whatever into the industry of LA will shake off and rebuild itself here. Um, yeah. Cause there's so much, like so much is getting crushed
0: businesses and
1: restaurants and, you know, the culture is gone and <laughs> apparently down in the city, it's really bad from a homeless standpoint.
2: Yeah. And, um, I've heard of so a lot I mean, of people leaving, a lot of people leaving and there's been a lot of families that we've known that took off and, and, you know, and it's understandable. And it's been a constant conversation during this whole time as you go do you stay, you know, like why, why do you stay here in this really expensive city uh, for an industry that's, you know, falling apart. But yeah, I, I don't know what keeps me here. I think landing in this house and I'm renting by the way, I'm not a homeowner. Um, so I'm not daddy war bucks (laughs) over here, but I, I, uh, we're renting this place, and I
1: never saw a rental problem. with marble walls. It's amazing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's a palatial. This is the, this is the foyer. <laughs> um, no, I, I, uh, I feel like once we moved into this house, it really helped me deal with the fact that we live here. Because um, I was like, well, now I feel happy just to be, just to be in a place where I can, I can yeah. play, and have a yard, and have my kids be here and that, and the. the we have a sense of community in that there are a couple of families that we're really, really close to and our children are close to each other. And that has been so important. And I was picked up and moved when I was 15, 16 to a new state, a new school. And that fucked me up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was, that was rough. That was one of the hardest yeah. things I did in my adolescence. And I mean, maybe it is a big part of where—that's
1: the certain, rub, dude. You turn, yeah. Out the creative
2: energies come from, right? but it, it was a hard time, and so I have thought over and over again that the longer we're here, the harder it is to uproot. Yeah, the kids without me feeling some sense of—even though we're just doing Zoom. Yeah, but they—they they have friends and yeah. they have a life here, and they have an understanding of where we live and an orientation you know, there's the mountains, there's the beach, there's the, you know, yeah. it's like, it's like they have, they have an understanding of where we are.
1: Imagine so, how long a year is to them too.
2: Right. Right. Like I for remember us, what it felt like when we were kids, it's
1: a blink for them. It's yeah. like, oh my God, when I was eight, it lasted yeah. 20 years, you know? Yeah. And, uh, exactly. yeah, we're going to, we're in the same boat. We just sold our house and, yeah. uh, we're going to be you did, Yeah. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. Um, you know, knock on something that it all goes through, but, uh,
2: yeah, yeah. you yeah.
1: know, so like we're looking to buy, I'm going to have this. I can't wait to have the experience you're having. I can't wait to sit in my backyard. I've never had it here. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. just like, it's pretty great. I can't, I can't wait. And I can't wait to build shit. I can't wait to build yeah. my, my sound room. Like, yes. uh, it's, uh, so I'm really looking forward to it. It's that whole experience that I'm really craving. Yeah. And, it, and, you know, I don't like to be, you know, we're very lucky to be where we are, all that, but there's something about that settling into home. Yeah. That it's like, okay, the pandemic sucks. We'll be fine. We got this, you know, the little, your little base unit is all set. Um, that's awesome. That's really cool.
2: I, I have found that especially at 42 there, there are such little things that I need to make me feel happiness. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, uh sitting in front of a fire pit with a glass of whiskey in my hands at, you know outside at night yeah. I can that can keep me that could sustain me for a long time yeah and it took me a while to find that peace um yeah. I've been chasing the high of you know being an entertainer and being an extroverted person and and you know all the good cops guys they they love to tease me. Because I am, I am this person that feeds off of the attention of others. And I always have been that way. I have always been that way. And I mean, to get into comedy, to get into acting, to get into any of this stuff, there's so many of us have that. And I seem to have it to a point that, you know, they would love to poke fun and tease about because it was this kind of, you know, Hey, everybody look at me, look at me, look at me. And There's been a little bit of a transition, I think, especially during coronavirus, especially during going over to BioFriendly and leaving um, the studio, is that I've just felt a little bit more contentment uh, with kind of the simple uh, little moments. And I'll always want to tell jokes. I'll always want to write stories. I'll always want to act or direct or do something creative, but I don't think I need to have I don't think I need to have everybody telling me that, uh, that uh, you know, it's the best or that I, I don't have to have the adoration of so many, like I once sought after it. I feel like now I'm just kind of happy to, you know, sit by a fire pit, drink some whiskey, and then work on some fun stuff. And yeah, if I like it, then I like it, yeah. you know? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I wonder, I wonder how much of it coincides with the age of your kid's caring that you're around too. I know it was really easy when the kids are super little and they literally sleep at like eight o'clock at night. You're like, yeah. All right. Most
2: of my comedy career was when they were very, very young. Yeah. But now my involvement and my presence, they care that you're there. They notice you leave huge
1: deal. A couple of the few times I had a show where I had to leave early, like at like seven or something like that. I, I was just like, man, I'm sorry. Like it is, yeah. it is what it is. I, I don't know why I'm going. And I stopped, I stopped going down to LA for shows cause I didn't get much out of it. Other yeah. Than and hang, at that like,
2: age, yeah. You're not getting enough to warrant looking at their faces going like, wait, you're leaving. Exactly, you're like, dude. It was not I'm worth like, it. I'm like, never mind. And
1: plus, <laughs> plus the other thing is those shows stopped being as useful to me as uh, my own show. Yeah. Yeah. So like I would go, like, I'm very thankful and, and honored and humbled that I did every stage at the comedy store. Yeah. Sold out. Not for me. Yeah. Yeah. doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Um, stood on that same stage, all of them. I did the belly room a bunch and I really loved it. Yeah. But it, it kind of stopped. Like I was like, okay, I did it. You know, yeah. I, if I'm not getting anything out of a show, I'm not doing it because I don't want to see those faces, you know, it's just yeah. not worth it. So I from think
2: the, from the kids. Yeah, it is true. It, this could change. Yeah. Like my kids, when could they're be, teenagers
1: and they did, couldn't give a shit, maybe we'll get back <laughs> right? at it.
2: I know. That's the funny thing is, is like my, my first of all, my 12 year old is at an age where we're, we're, we're talking a lot. He's yeah. he's he's in some new levels of maturity and some subjects are coming up and my presence in his life is, um, I mean, it's always important, obviously, for parents, but now it's a crucial time. And then my six-year-old son um, also really enjoys my company, but I do think about one day when they're teenagers and one day they're hanging out with their friends and one day they're not really even paying attention if I'm in the house, then, you know, maybe I will look at a creative uh, career in a different light, but it does feel like it's a little bit more important for me to be
1: yeah. Right here. And writing is such a big challenge and and super fun you know. in so many different ways. And you can stay home for that one. Yeah. You know, which I really, I really like that a lot too.
2: Although the, not, not to be a bummer, but I, I have my writer, my writer's side this year has felt like, <clears throat> like it's felt like it's left me. Hmm it's felt like, I, I don't know. I can't explain it. I was telling it to Jamie the other night. I just, um, ever since March, I feel like well, it's so don't far away. Yourself up, dude. I this know, but I intense, mean, it's,
1: you know, you're a, is, you're a funny it, silly writer most of the time,
2: you know, I know, but it's been, it's been hard because I told her, I said, um, sometimes it feels like what it must be to have some form of a, of a dementia or hmm. a tumor or something. Cause sometimes it feels so far away from me that I feel like what's wrong with me. I can't even, I can't even form a cohesive creative thought. Hmm. And it, it, it's been scary cause I'll sit there and I'll open up final draft and I'll have a script or a project or an idea that I was once working on or a new idea. And I just can't seem to find that piece of me. And I, I think it'll come back. But this year I've really had to just kind of be like a, I guess it's cool that I'm not generating content right now. Uh, you had, had something
1: just, big you were working on when I when we did a show the last time we could do shows.
2: Yeah, yeah. I and was you couldn't really
1: wait excited. to tell me about it.
2: I know, I know. Back this was but this was um before everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um I was I was flirting with the idea of of making a feature film. Um, like I had done for intermission mm-hmm. on my phone
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I had started kind of examining and looking at all those possibilities and started writing on a script and, and then it just, it just drifted away. And well, I, that's, I mean,
1: it, anyway, it'll be back it's when spoiler. things are back to normal, dude. It will. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. It's
2: yeah. I, I'm being such a doubter right now, but I'm just <laughs> saying like, it's, no, it's, it's That's
1: it's, real shit, it, man.
2: Yeah, it's been, it's been crazy. And, and again, I don't mean to make light of dementia or Alzheimer's or, or a tumor, but it, it is felt akin to a thought that you go, I can't seem to lock it down. And you know, that's what it feels like to me.
1: Well, I'm mean, not to, not to dispel that, but like, have, do you do it? Like, is it something you're sitting every day suffering through or you, is this a story no. you're telling yourself?
2: It, I mean, it could be
1: procrastination it, in disguise. It's an insidious motherfucker.
2: It is probably <laughs> procrastination in disguise. And I probably just need to read A War of Art, read it again, will always, which will fire me back up again. The audiobook no, is excellent. Well, I'll tell you what. And, and I mean, it's not just a story of telling myself, I mean, legitimately, okay, so I have an iPad and I have this app called Procreate and I do illustrations and. I was really training myself as much as I could a while ago to try to learn to use the tool. And the other day I sat down and it was like, I couldn't remember all the things that I taught myself on it from four months ago. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what's wrong with my brain? (laughs) And I, and it made me really frustrated that I couldn't just jump back into creativity. And I think that that's what, what is the truth here is that, I used to always be able to jump into jokes, storytelling, writing, acting, whatever, without without having to do any kind of warm up right. or getting myself back into it. But given over time now, I feel like you kind of have to be in it for a period of time to kind of get the motor running again. And yeah. that's what I'm experiencing is yeah. that it feels like nobody's been throwing any any coal in this steam engine for a while. Yeah. And that, that's me. I'm responsible for that. Yeah. So, interesting. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe this podcast will change everything.
1: <laughs> Maybe you'll fix so. me. Let's hope so, man. <laughs> no, I, I I man, I I was um you know, I was thinking about the uh, the Comedy Ahoy and and meeting you and like how uh I think it's interesting eight, friendship 8
2: years ago, right? 8 years at least, ago
1: at yeah. least. Yeah, and yeah. and it's like you know, it's It's interesting to have conversations, and you know, I'm like, to have friends out here mm-hmm. is interesting. I mean, I'm a transplant, you're a transplant. We know a lot of people, yeah, but you know, and especially through this pandemic, it's been really cool to to hang out and catch up as often as we did, but um yeah. you know the 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 thing I want to like spring on you do it is, is, uh, I I don't know if I need to explain this every time or what, but anyway, fuck it. Uh, the idea was I had, and you'll get a kick out of this and then we can go down this tangent, which I really want to. So put a, put a pin in. I had a a theology teacher in high school and, uh, he, um, everybody loved the class because we had, we didn't have any tests. Everybody was like, this is great. There's no tests. He just talks. Right. And about three months in, and he didn't say a word about it. He didn't mention it. He just started talking one day and never gave us any tests. And we were all seniors. And uh, <clears throat> about three months in, he walks in the class in the beginning and writes on the board some simple question like, what is God? Question mark. And says, write for the whole class and turn it in. You can say whatever you want, basically, and we we're all like, "What the fuck is this?" Because we're from the Scantron, you know, yeah. you know, uh, multiple choice test world.
2: This is some uh, oh captain, my captain, dead poet
1: shit. He right failed here. everybody in the class. <laughs> oh my god! He failed everybody in the class. Like big red oh Fs god. on every page, and he fucking read the Riot Act. He was like, "Listen, what world do you think you guys are going into next year, where you don't know how to answer a question we've been talking about for three months?" Wow. Like you could have written anything you wanted. I would have given you, you know, a decent grade if it seemed like anything we had talked about, you right. know? Right. Uh So that was one of the biggest lessons I ever had. But in the moment, I hated that guy because I always hated surprise quizzes because I was a good student that prepared. Yeah. So like I would have been like, motherfucker, I would have read all my notes. Right. You know? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. So... The surprise quiz element is this, like what uh, a high level question like that, which is is what is the thing that most surprised you about being
2: a parent? The thing that most surprised me about being a parent. Oh, Matt, that is incredibly, it's a great question. It's just one of those ones that, yeah, you kind of, you sit back and you go, there's so many things that surprised me. Um, I mean, okay, so I can tell you I think it's a surprise to see that no matter how I've tried to parent differently from my own parents in order to give my children a different take on certain things, that I see the same behavior and reactions (laughs) spring up. Despite my best efforts, that has been, hands down, one of the biggest surprises and shocks. And you get what I'm saying, That you right? snap you, into you, that
1: groove of your parent
2: training. you No, know, no, that you're, you're doing something differently. So oh, for you're example, trying to change it,
1: and they still do it.
2: And they still do it. So I'll give you a perfect example. I grew up in a very religious household, a very Christian household in Oklahoma. Obviously, everybody in that part of the country <laughs> goes to church. (laughs) So I grew up in this, in this household and it's not that my parents um, meant, but part of that culture and part of that world comes with a lot of guilt, Mm. comes with a lot of shame, comes with a lot of there's big man watching me and, and I don't want to sin. And I have uh, stepped away from that entirely. And so I've raised both of my sons you know, not anti religion, but without any. Yeah. And, you know, we don't go to church and I'm not, you know, we have, have I had conversations about what God is, what, what organized faiths are with them? Of course. I mean, more my 12 year old, my six year old still like, you know, Um, (laughs) but um, my, you know, I've had those conversations with them, but I'm not raising them with the same constructs and ideas, but I am still seeing (laughs) guilt and shame and kind of this, this neuroses yeah. that i look at my son and i go why why you don't have some bearded man in the sky <laughs> that's making you feel like every thought you have is evil i haven't given you that at all but it still rears its ugly head and you go it's almost like i couldn't stop it it's almost like um, that this neuroses or this reaction to the world is just the way that my DNA <laughs> is going to form another human. I don't Or know. they just... made
1: up those stories to fit the circumstances that every children, all children have.
2: Yeah, that's Like true. you
1: have to be quiet in here because God is watching.
2: Is yeah. You have to yeah.
1: be quiet in here. I realize you're bored. Yeah. Shut
2: up. Yeah. You have to yeah. learn <laughs> to
1: get through shit. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like,
2: exactly.
1: You know, I, I, it's so funny. I think about that all the time. Cause I grew up Catholic, not like super, super Catholic, but like we went every Sunday, you know? Yeah. And when they came out with Saturday night mass, we were all over it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, it, it really does get odd not knowing those stories too. Like yeah. my kids don't know any of those stories.
2: Oh, yeah. All of the Bible
1: stories that just like fly off your tongue about, like, oh, is this like Noah's Ark or whatever? They're like, David and Goliath. They're like, who? Samson and
2: Delilah. (laughs) I know, totally. Dude, that's no references. My brain, my brain was filled with the Bible (laughs) stories and filled with all these things. And my children, yeah, I'll never forget, you know, because my parents, they lived out here for a while. And, you know, just out of respect with my mom, I would, I would go to church with her on a on an Easter or whatever. And I'll never forget, there were a couple times that when my oldest was young, he would go and we'd leave him in a little Sunday school room and he would come out. And it was hilarious to see if you're raised with Bible stories and you're given them incrementally over time, like you're two, you're three, you're four, you're five, you start to be like, okay, this is how this book works. But if you just throw a five-year-old in there and tell them the story of David and Goliath, their entire concept of what it means to have a giant and a slingshot and a murder stone and all these things, they come out just going what was that? And then you're just like, I know, man, it's a weird book and it's (laughs) all these crazy stories.
1: Do you know who the comic Jake Johansson is? Uh, the name sounds really
2: familiar. It was like an eighties
1: comic. I don't remember, but, uh, he had this joke about, uh, Jesus hanging from the cross and Uh like being distracted and looking up at him saying, you know, Jesus had great
2: abs (laughs) Oh, I think somebody has sent me And that
1: he has like, before. he's like got a Chicago accent. So he's like, he's got great abs, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: It yeah, cracks me up. It. And my wife didn't grow up Catholic, but we would go to like Catholic weddings and shit like that with family back East. Sure. And, sure. and I couldn't help, but say it. Like every time I look up at the, the, great, the Jesus, abs. He had great abs. Great abs.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, oh so God. I mean, ba- back to your question that was the big surprise. I mean, there's a lot of little things that happen along the way, but I, I would say from a from a much more like uh, emotional, spiritual level, you kind of go, "Wow, does the father become the son, or the parent become the child? Um, and do we just follow in footsteps, no matter where we pick up and?" Uh, start our lives you know here's here's children that are growing up in southern california surrounded by the entertainment industry and and all this stuff whereas i grew up in tulsa in the the suburbs and and you know totally different experience yeah different experiences but yet there's such similar things that come out of your kids and you just kind of go I mean, I feel like it's always an improvement. I think every parent sees their children. and They go, "Hey, well, they at least are doing better than I was, and I was doing better than my parents were, and so on and so forth." Like you're making improvements along the way. Yeah, but uh, it's but, slow. You
1: know, it's a it slow, slow, slow improvement, right? So it is. we're probably it is. the first generation of our of uh, fathers that are like really involved. Yeah, maybe we are. our dad's yeah. a little bit starting to eke in, you know? But like. Yep we're the first ones that are like, it's expected.
2: Oh yeah, and, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: And I don't know how people don't like to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like, I
2: can't imagine. It's
1: so fun. Kids are the best. Like they're so fun. So, yeah, but we're the first to really even participate in that. So obviously we're going to, we're going to fuck it up. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, we're doing all the best we can, but, but you're, you're right. The expectation <laughs> of dads now is of course, totally different from what and totally fair, by the fathers. way, like, and totally fair and more everybody get away with it be, for that long. Like I don't know why for so long dads could just come home, uh, crack open a beer and watch the game and not participate in their children's lives. It's like, all right. I mean, maybe that still happens, but definitely not in the communities that we live in today. Yeah. It's funny.
1: So, it's funny that, uh, yeah. you know, I was, Like, so I, the thing I find surprising is it's really hard to reference anything that they know what the hell you're talking about. Oh yeah. Like they don't, like they don't know, like there's just a lot of culture that they just don't get. And that's why dad jokes get such a bad reputation. They're like, why are you laughing at that? It's like, don't worry about it.
2: Don't worry about it. By the way, my children, I was going to say just real quick uh, to your point, my I keep trying to influence them with the pop culture and references. I keep trying. And I think that is also a painful thing (laughs) when you are trying to share something you loved and they don't enjoy it. That is a that is a heartbreak for a dad, whether it's Star Wars or a band or whatever. And you showed your kids and they just kind of go, "Okay," and you're like, oh.
1: Yeah. Star Wars. Star Wars doesn't work on my kid. He does. They don't care too slow. The first movies, like, I'm like, you got to watch it in order. And they're like, yeah, this, this isn't (laughs) enjoyable at all. You know what I do though with music that's kind of fun is, uh, my daughter has really good taste in music, I would say, but you know, she likes new, new stuff. And, and when she plays things and it's not always my favorite, some of it's good, but some of it, electronic perfect music doesn't interest me most of the time, which is what a lot of it is, a lot of machines. And I just Mm -hmm. just don't, it just bores me, but there's so much reverence and homage to the past in those songs and in those music, in that music, that when something she plays reminds me of something I like that is old, I play the old thing. So I'm like, all right, I'm picking next song. And, you know, like we were listening to Billie Eilish or something like that. And we were talking about vocals and how good at harmonies she is and all that shit. And like really neat vocal choices that she makes. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, you know why she got that? And then we switch over to like Kansas or, uh, you know, like uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. And you're like, yeah, that's why she knows what notes to pick. But like, dude, have you listened to Wayward Son in a long time?
2: Uh, Oh, carry on my wayward son. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, the things that mat first of all, I <laughs> jam it every time I'm in my, if I get it, I drive a challenger <laughs> now, man. Every time I get on my challenger, yeah. I'm like it's time for carry on my wayward son. <laughs> oh yeah. <baby." laughs>
1: but I was like, the thing that makes this so awesome yeah. and you know, sets it apart is this is six dudes from like Kansas with yeah. beards and beer guts yeah. live. rocking like this, like totally so good. It's so good. Oh man. So what else, what else is going on?
2: Um, that's about it. I, the music thing, I, I was going to just echo that my oldest likes dance, like electronica Mm -hmm. type stuff too. And I think that's the one genre that I never really explored. And so that's where I kind of feel like I'm at a loss is he, he's likes, DJs like Alan Walker and he plays this video game called just shapes and beats. And it's all these like, you know, dubstepy, like real heavy beats and huh. and he loves it. And I'm, I keep trying to search <laughs> for a connection point. Like I, I'm sitting here and I'm like digging through trip hop from the nineties. I'm pulling up like Portis head and tricky and yeah. massive attack and I'm showing it to him and it's just so slow for him. And, and it's just so funny. I just want to connect with him on music so much because music is huge for us. Yeah. Yeah. And I want, you know, so I've been sitting around the living room playing my guitar more and more because I've just been like, I've got to find something that'll, that he'll hear and he'll be like, yes.
1: It's crazy. Anyway, music has gotten, music has gotten my attention more and more over this whole thing, which is really fun.
2: That's like like new music.
1: No, just, just making music and really thinking about music and, uh, playing a lot more and and uh i don't know it's 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 pretty great i um i want to return to that too like i can't wait to play live again like i can't i cannot wait we got to do that thing i know the the pumpkins thing
2: (laughs) it'd be really cool it'd be so cool (laughs) i'd love it i just figured out that we're kind of wearing the same thing oh no you're you're wearing a black t-shirt
1: yours has buttons It that would fun. be a Henley, I think they call that. I mean, a Henley. Yes, this is a Henley, <laughs> and I was
2: it's it what I wore to work today. So,
1: so how what do you do with biofriendly? You want
2: to talk more um, about that? Yeah, yeah, sure. I don't mind that at all. It's a it's a great uh, job, and a, it's in a really interesting um, kind of transition from what the business was to what we're becoming. And you know, I get to work with one of my best friends, um, and we get to make a podcast together the biofriendly podcast which is education about the environment but we embrace humor and comedy and have fun with it it's it's an uplifting podcast um but we are biofriendly was formed basically f- because they had a fuel additive that helped reduce emissions and helped engines burn more efficiently and all that and that's still a huge part of the business but we are also growing this media and education and environmentalism so on on one of the coolest things is that my job is actually helping the world. And so that gives me a lot of inspiration from day to day yeah. that that's what I'm doing. It's nice to be in a career that you're like, my job is to help people clean up pollution, you know, try to reduce climate change and conserve water and uh, have better food systems. And, you know, that's that's a really, really important thing. Um, and I did mention that I went into work. But that's because we're, it's just he and I in the space. We go in three days a week. And we have, during this quarantine, we have, have gotten together many, many times. So we just, you know, it's just like having a family member that I see, you know, three times a week, basically. So
1: have you been COVID tested? Uh, yeah, I got, yeah.
2: I got tested one time. And uh, it was the good old classic straight up the nose. And uh, it was, yeah, it was, wasn't that bad. I mean, it's I always describe it to people as, uh, they're stirring and you're like, it's not too bad. And just as you're about to say, uh, I don't like this, <laughs> it's, it's, over. it's it's over, it's over, but it's, it lasts longer than you think. They're like there and you're going, okay, 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 yeah. okay, okay.
1: Yeah. Well, hopefully that have gets a little easier. To? No, I haven't had any need. Yeah. I have gone almost nowhere. Yeah. Uh, as far as I know, not in contact with anybody, but now that kids are starting to leak out into schools again, like, yeah. I don't know. I
2: don't know. Yeah. Well, we're, I mean, our kids are still at home. um, And where I go to work, I only work with Noel, one other person in the building. When we go in, we have masks on as we go into the building and there's all the signage and everything. And there's, we have hand sanitizer. And so we go through the whole rigmarole that everybody goes through when you go out in the world. And, you know, we try to be as careful as you can, but I mean, again, here we are in the city of Los Angeles and they keep saying, our numbers are going up and you're looking around, you're going like, but all of us are trying so hard. Yeah. This is like one yeah. of the cities where we take it seriously. And yeah. so you just go, how do we ever stop this? You know, it's just crazy.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I think all those things that everybody's doing work, but you can't slip. They do. You just can't you slip.
2: Can't, yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and, you know, avoid getting in people's faces close by. Yeah. Like it's, it's crazy, man. I, I, my buddy um, just talked about this and posted about, like, we need to really lock down, like, for reals, which is kind of what Biden seems to be saying.
2: Well, we did that in the early days. Badly, I mean, I like really badly. California not, not, California, did California. a good job. Yeah, but I mean, like, for us, pers- yeah. I know you, I know everybody I know, when it was, like, March... 17th or 16th, whatever it was. I remember that that first six weeks, it was so scary to even go out into the world that like grocery store trips were, I'd face them with trepidation and you're just washing groceries. And, and I mean, of course that kind of care still needs to be in play, but we did it, we took it so seriously in the early days and we still need to take it seriously. But I just feel like we've been, I feel like we've been taking it seriously this whole Friggin' time. Yeah. So.
1: <laughs> so did so. I didn't go out much, but when I did go out to go to the grocery, it, it felt like Mad Max or something. It was
2: empty. Right. I hated it. I hated it. It was it. so jarring. Trader Joe's was the one that brought me peace and solace because I remember I went to like a Ralph's or a Vaughn's or something and I hated it. I hated it because it was like like fluorescent bulbs are flickering. The cabinets are bare and everybody's just kind of walking with this like haunted look. And I was like, this is a nightmare. And then you'd go to Trader Joe's and yeah, you'd have to wait in line outside. Uh, Craig Conan would be loving this uh, Trader (laughs) Joe's moment. Um, but we you'd be standing outside, but you get inside and then have their Hawaiian shirts on. They be they be friendly, they would be kind. Uh, they did a
1: good job. Still are doing a good job, job the whole time, following rules time. and keeping people out yeah. and wiping carts, and like keep yeah,
2: and keeping things positive. Like yeah. that's what was so nice was. Um, and somebody explained to me they were like, well, of course, Trader Joe's they have their own supply of food, whereas yeah. like all these other grocery stores are getting you know the general food from every single place. So,
1: yeah. I, the the peace and quiet and calm and clear of it was like can we just keep this this is pretty yeah. nice you know like yeah they, there was no congestion like oh yeah even on those trips but it was it was scary even for us i had a friend that lived in the city in san francisco and he was like dude it is horrifying because the the stores aren't big like you can't yeah. not be close to people right you know and You know, I I bought a bidet when the whole toilet paper shit happened. I was like
2: So did we. Yeah man So did we. I'll never go back. Once you have a bidet, you're like what's wrong with America? Why aren't these standard issue from day one? Oh man, I know the French have got it right, man. (laughs) Jeez.
1: They have them all over Asia too. Like heated all kinds of buttons and craziness, but like, yeah, that is a revolution right there.
2: It's a revolution. Wash your butt. Great.
0: I think
1: it was Duncan Trussell talking about this, saying if I wiped shit on your face and then handed you a tissue and you couldn't use water. And you couldn't get it moist. Yeah, like you're not. You still have shit on your face. (laughs) Oh, man. Dude, this is fun.
2: This has been really fun. This has been great. See,
1: I like... I sort of like the tired feeling that's kicking in.
2: You can tell that we're both like, Hey, Hey, yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, it, it happens. I am. I am
2: totally tired. I am getting tired,
1: but it's good, man. I it's, it's all good. We'll see how it goes. And uh, we can,
2: maybe you should, maybe you should embrace that. Maybe you should call it like, tired, <laughs> getting tired or <laughs> up all night with Matt Neal. Neil. I don't know. Something, something fun there about the fact that, it, you know, given the current place that we're in in the world, that at this time you are kind of going like, oh, I should really go. To bed.
1: Yeah. Cause the morning's going to come no matter what, like oh, my yeah, son gets I'm up kidding. at the butt crack of dawn. Like, yeah. So totally. I don't want to inte- like, it, I think if I book these on a Friday night, it's going down. Cause we've, you and I have yeah. chatted till like, Mm-hmm. very late several for times. hours, but I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, if I start another big topic, we could be up for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. But let's just do more. Cause it's mine. And I can just, we can just keep doing it. Like yeah, I, yeah, I had yeah. to book you on my shows to see you before.
2: Yeah.
1: Nothing has changed. We just
2: do. The, yeah. Nothing's <laughs> changed. So it's like So it means I get to be a repeated guest, right? You can have two yeah. givens on again and again and again, and again, again and we again.
1: Can, I'm going to make yeah, you run some probably. bits though. One of these times. Okay, that's fine. I don't
2: know. If, that's fine. If, I don't know what to do with them, Matt. They're <laughs> they're just they're just collecting dust. I like. I, I was I was like I want to sit here and be like I wrote all these jokes. Does anybody want them? Because I'm never gonna I won't get to tell these again for years. You know.
1: <laughs> well, if we uh, when we shoot that that pilot, uh, yeah, you know maybe then. You know, there are parts in comedy clubs, and you know
2: that'd be fun. Maybe I get to do it on the show. Oh my god! The world needs to see it. it. I know, and I, I, you know, maybe I'll get to do comedy again one day. And it's interesting because have you done a Zoom comedy show during this whole thing? Yeah, I haven't either, and I'm, I'm not against them by by all means, but I, I didn't like the idea of doing it just because it felt like. uh, the wind has already been taken out of the comedy sale and I couldn't yeah. imagine returning to it in that form. I was like, I, I'd rather wait this out. You know,
1: That's kind of where I landed. And, and also yeah. I, th- I toyed with the notion of producing one to generate money for comics. Yeah. Yeah. And that Remember would be the only reason I would do it. Um, but it's a lot of work and I'm tired.
2: It's a lot of work. And that's the thing. Podcasts are a lot of work, man. Like, to make it good. These are a lot of work. Yeah. 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 I do, I do, I do one a week and it's a lot. It takes up a good part of my week. And uh and you know, we're on episode 90. And just to think that wow. we made that many, I'm kind of like, holy smokes. Wow. Um, but uh I was gonna say, oh, but people, it does seem like people are returning to stand up. Comedy shows in person with these distancing measures in place. Yeah. I
1: mean Sam's on the road right now. There there's places yeah. where they're doing it, but it's just like Yeah. I don't know. Holy shit.
2: Yeah.
1: The outro music started without me pressing Did a button. It? That must mean it's over.
2: It's playing me off. Yeah. Is this is the Academy Awards. Oh, <laughs> fine. Well, I'd like to thank my parents for making me neurotic. I'd like to thank the church for filling me with shame. Oh my God.
1: This is my Um, grandfather. This is my grandfather singing Sammy D. Is it really? It is, yeah. Oh,
2: that's great. Yeah.
1: That's so funny. Two times now, both times, (laughs) this has happened. Not the play out, but the play in hit like a perfect break. And I was like, okay, I'm keeping it. (laughs) So we're going to keep it. it.
2: Keep it, man. I love you, brother. Love you too. dude. I'm so glad you had me on your show. And I hope this was fun for you. It was fun for me. I had a glass. I just like hanging out with you. Definitely. It was a great time.
1: All right, man. See you soon. All right,
2: man. See you soon. Bye.
0: With might for the sake of having you near spite of a warning voice that rings in the nights, repeats and repeats. The thought of you makes me stop just before I begin.